podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Thank you for joining us for Season 18, Episode 3 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. And namaste. My name is Stu. <laughs> this is Jib. <laughs> this is Stork. I, just, I, I got in. We're late because I, I decided to go to a yoga class. This Look, your little bagels and locks there. That's my, going that's on. my you breakfast. Your, got your kamchaka or whatever that's. Kombucha. Gazootite. <laughs> get that going on. Look, it's very healthy. Mm-hmm. Lavender really. melon. Mm. All right. For those yeah, this you. is the breakfast episode. <laughs> brought to you by Kavita. I think we should rename the, the show Breakfast with Stu. Oh, and we're recording this on Guy Fox Day. So for those of you right. who, uh, who remember, remember. Yes. Or is it Guy Fuchs? Fox. It's not F O X. Fox. No. Fox. With the C A. F A W L K E S. Oh, A L K. Okay. Fox. Fuchs. Fox. That was C H. Pronounced with a C H. See, see, how no, much not, we know. Not, not pronounced with a C H, but spelled with a C H, isn't it? Um. The only thing we know about it is that is that uh, I don't know. That Hugo Weaving is running around in a mask in a movie. As he should be. As he should be. <laughs> in this episode of Happy Trick Sharpie <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> Mike from Minnesota writes in asking about scene transitions. You know what? I'm going to turn the audio down for the people who are hearing this on the stream. Okay. Because the last show was overblown. Uh, About scene transitions. Mead asks about vampires keeping mortal ties post-embrace and questions about in-game romances. Gene from San Francisco asks about genre and GM experience. Eugene from Boston writes in with an... Imagine if you will, which I think is going to be a new thing. I like that. Yes, it's, like, it's just like Dear Happy Jacks forum. I never knew it would I happen to me. I never thought this would happen to me. Imagine if you will. Right. <laughs> like, and, nice. And Nicholas writes in with a paper cut problem with his set in the ways GM. Mm. And if you'd like to email us, oh yeah, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail That's happyjacksrpg at gmail dot com. We're on the tweeters, Happy Jacks RPG, all one word. And also, if you want to watch live, you can watch live uh, on either Saturday mornings, 10.30 Pacific time, or on Fridays at 8.30, Pacific, 8:30 p.m. Pacific time, depending on what's going on. You did have a random one. They did have a random one on last Tuesday. That's right. We were supposed to play Bass Dominions, but there were two people with colds. Yes. And I have a very weak immune system. Right. I don't want a cold. Right. And I had not yet had my... my Flu uh, shot. My flu shot. I know I've had it, but still no colds. So what we did is the people who, who could make it, who, who would have been in that game. We who were healthy. We, we just yeah. did an episode. So, um, so you got to keep up with us. You never know. you got to right. watch these things. You never know. Always, always, always shaking yeah. things always up. shaking things up. That's right. <laughs> uh, and you can always uh, go to habitex.org slash live to watch the show live. Their schedule is up there. And Kimmy does a pretty good job of keeping it keeping it accurate, even though I change things at the last minute all the freaking time. Uh, and you can also just go to happyjacks.org slash Twitch or happyjacks.org slash YouTube and to use, find the channel. We're using the Twitch stream uh, now, right? Dave just texted me that the stream is only the rotating logo for the vid. Oh, well, I'll switch that over. Is that better? There we go. How's that? He'll say that in about 10 seconds. Yeah, I didn't have that. Yeah, we were, we were all looking at the camera for no reason. <laughs> it's switched now. Sweet. Bye. Uh, but before we begin the show... <laughs> We have our shit. Damn it! Tip of the week. Tip of the week. <laughs> Just I'm going to tr- pot down and eat my breakfast. Go ahead. All right. So here's my tip of the week. In any game you are running as a GM, 
everything that happens in the game should weave back to the player characters because they are the principal characters in the game and in reality it really is all about them mm-hmm. and so whatever happens weave it back to them um, I ran a, a game recently where I had um, three detectives and I had one spare detective and uh, they decided they were homicide detectives so I decided that my murder victim was our missing detective hmm. So weave it back to them. And the reason for this is if you weave the sto- everything in the story back to them, I guarantee you immediate buy-in into the, into the game. That, yeah, Douglas Adams always did that with his books. Everything ties into everything else. And uh, uh, even though that's a, was a Powered by Apocalypse, which is kind of the mantra for Apocalypse, right. it's a good idea, I think, for any game. It Anytime is. you can bring the characters and make it immediate and make it give them, it makes sense. Really, it make sense. it about them. Right? Because uh, we were just talking, we were wrapping a little before the show. We, your your um, Power by the Apocalypse system that you're working on, mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting because it's about detectives, and yet you say and claim that the, that the mystery, that the detective, is not really the interesting part. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's the character the, interaction. The game is absolutely not about solving the mystery. Mm-hmm. That would be a procedural game, which would be fun. Yeah. That would be a fun thing to do. But this game is really about the relationships between the characters. And maybe that's an important thing for everybody to think about whenever you're running a game, is try to make it as important about the relationships among the characters. Yeah. That'll, just keep that in the back of your brain all the time. That makes, that's a great tip. And conflict is your friend. There is no conflict. <laughs> all right. Oh, wait. Okay. Um, speaking of procedurals, have you guys seen Goliath on Amazon? I have not. Oh my god, it's good! Really? Oh wow! It, cool. I know I people. Know. I know people that worked on it. They said it's been the number one downloaded, binge watched Amazon show ever. Wow! That does not shock me. Yeah, I'm huh. not really big into procedural things. Like I've never seen NCIS or any of those kind of shows. But um, I am hooked because right. um, what's his name? Billy Bob Thornton is just mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. He actually doesn't play that character. I know he doesn't, but he did it in that in, in Sling Blade, which is he's almost unrecognizable. What another great character! I was playing in a Jackercon game. It was a Jackercon game a couple of years ago, and uh, we were all the start of the game was we were all murder hobos, and we were at a meeting of murder hobos anonymous, <laughs> and it was one of those moments when the evil just reached up inside me and grabbed hold of me because when uh, the GM said so. So tell us about you, and I forget what my character's name was, but I looked down and said, "Yep, I'm, I'm yep, I'm, a, I'm a murder hobo, and I, I don't reckon I need a reason to kill somebody." Maybe we're gonna do a little saber. Yep, I, I like to use a sling blade. Some, some people call it a Kaiser blade, blade. <laughs> but I like to, I call it a sling blade. Big axe handle with a big blade shaped like a banana. Banana. <laughs> 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 Oh my god, that kills me! All right, <laughs> so good. It's such a great. Movie. Oh, it's, it's such a great character too. I mean, oh, it really is. It really is. All right, I, I read somewhere once he'd been holding on to that character for a long time, whether it's somebody he knew or whatever, an amalgamum or whatever. Did he write he, that? Like, he wrote it and directed it, but oh, he, he like shaved his head oh, and, yeah. and like gained weight and the way he walked. I mean, it's completely unrecognizable. It's a, an amazing character that he does. He he, he did things with his face Every, that was just totally like go, like yeah, not like makeup, but just like just the way he he mm-hmm. moved his face and was really the way, just, you know, he wears his pants really high. I mean, it's a whole different. It's a really interesting character. Yeah. Anyway, you like Goliath. 
I killed her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Goliath is fantastic so far. Sweet. Um, um, what's his name? Um, the guy that plays the real high-powered lawyer at the big firm. Gary Sinise? No. God, I can't remember his name. I know, there's somebody else in it. I... God, he is so depraved. <laughs> <laughs> he has one of those clicker things you used for dogs when they're being bad, you click it. Mm-hmm. He goes around the law firm, and when people in the law firm are saying things he doesn't like, he sits and clicks it. <laughs> click, 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 click. But he's the guy's, he's just fucking mad. Just insane. Wow. Um, speaking <laughs> of things. Actor. Speaking of things you have to watch, mm-hmm. um, Doctor Strange. Oh, yeah. It's oh, so I, I bet. God, it's Friday. so good. It's got some mixed reviews by hardcore game people, but I, I don't, it's not going to stop me from seeing it. You know what? That's fine. People are going to have different opinions. Um, but I, I thought it was spectacular. What? Is it rated PG 13? Yes. So I can take my kids. I think you'd be safe. Okay. I'll take them to see it this afternoon. All right. First email. Scene transitions and GMing from Mike in Minnesota. Minnesota. First, thanks for a great show. It is the Bees Knees. I come to you by way of the Savage Worlds GM Hangout podcast. So you might know this guy. William uh, Hurt. Yeah. yeah. Okay. William Hurt? William Hurt. Yes, it was William Hurt. And you have a little uh, cream cheese on your own. It's not Dwight Yoakam, it's William Hurt. Yeah, William William Hurt. Hurt. And he's like a burn victim, so one side of his face is screwed up. Doesn't he have like five Oscars or something? Maybe one. Anyway. His office is like always in the dark. And he never leaves his office. He left his office once to kind of go and like bribe a a judge. (laughs) (laughs) The rest of the time he just sits in his office. Wow. Sometimes he's wearing clothes, sometimes he isn't. (laughs) He's just sick. He is just sick. And he he literally treats his lawyers like dogs. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to get you one of those No, he's, he's just He's just <laughs> If anyone's telling him something he doesn't want to hear I'm going to get you one of those It's going to be great Every time we make bad decisions in this game <laughs> what, Should we go somewhere else? No, no, okay, no, he'd wear no, it, he'd no, no, wear, no He would wear it out well, I just like Especially when I'm playing it I can do this all day long yeah. But that's not, not It's not like I'm saying something I don't like I'm going to have to correct him <laughs> Just roll up a newspaper Whack! <laughs> I'd be black and blue. <laughs> uh, so special thanks to Jib for both shows. Question. Oh, question. I am struggling. I, I am struggle with transitioning between scenes. I tend to write adventures by scene. Good, sir. In yeah. loose format, like title, purpose, intro, and development. Mm-hmm. A development might be a block of combat stats or reactions to likely skill checks or bullet points about NPC goals and knowledge. I usually write the closing comments, but struggle to add anything remotely usable there. Scene transition in a dungeon is easy. Open the door, new scene. But in the social investigation scene, it's less obvious. Sometimes the players complete one social encounter, but don't see the next. They stare at me. I stare at them waiting. Dead air. Eventually, <laughs> I pull out the clue by four and smash them, smash uh, them to oblivion. Sp- splash the oblivion. The smash, smash to oblivion. The, the suspension, suspension of, of disbelief. disbelief. It's early. Some players <laughs> are all are all done with the ask questions and are ready for the swing swords part. But one player is chasing uh, a rabbit all the way down to the bottom and starts digging. The players, the player has asked and gotten 
answers to all the questions I thought they might ask, and now I'm inventing, which leads to more questions, more inventing. I know this is getting into my story, our story areas, and reading the table's mood, but at the same time, how do you signal, all done here, the well is dry? More broadly, can you suggest a structure for social sessions to replace the dungeon map, a more systematic way to structure a talkie? How much can I help without leading the players by the nose? P.S. Stork's hair is great. I actually have that here somewhere. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? There it is. Stork's hair is great! Uh, Mike from Minnesota. Okay. Go ahead, Stork. No, no. I, Your I, hair is I was great. actually going to recommend the uses of it because, again, it talks, about, uh, it talks about stuff that you've been doing yeah. recently with Apocalypse. Your hair is a little less great than it That's was last true, week. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it's still great. It's just, it was like, at, at a glance down the street, I didn't recognize you. It was like... <laughs> I went to the barber and, and showed him a picture of Jeff Bridges and just said, make it like that. Cause and, and lo, he did. Although Jeff Bridges is a much better looking man. <laughs> Come to find out. After you get the haircut, you go, I don't look anything like that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. <clears throat> um, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Um, okay. First off, how do you know when a scene is done? When, at that moment when everybody stops talking and they're all looking at you like, okay, you're done. Time to go. (laughs) Um, But I also have a piece of advice for that moment. In the instant when you are tempted to ask the question, so what are you guys going to do now? Don't ask that question. Just eradicate that question from your brain housing group. In that moment, hit them with something. Do something to them. Uh, this goes back to the uh, the literary saw of a man walks in with a gun. When things when when things reach that dying down point and you're tempted to ask that question, hit them with something. Philo- a philosophical man walks in with a gun. It's a great idea. And and the same is true in this moment. You know when when they've reached that point of well we've exhausted all the talking and what now? Move them on. Um, you don't even have to be. You don't even have to be subtle or gentle about it. Segways for kids. Just you know, go on to the next thing. Even if you, even if you, know, they would logically have to travel across town. Oh my God! Just, right. sorry. Yeah, just make you're, them skip make it. Them, skip it. You are now at the. You're now over at the there. Police station. You're yeah. now over there. So, my, my 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 general thing is, it's okay to ask leading questions. Sure. I wouldn't I wouldn't ask the very open ended. Okay, what are you going to do? Right. Where do you want to go next? Do you guys want to go to check out this? Especially if you've got people who are kind of like, if it's early or you've got passive players or they're re- at this point, they just don't know what direction to go. Right. Make suggestions. Tell them, hey, you know what? <clears throat> he mentioned the police station. Do you guys want to go down to the police station? And that's okay. To, uh, uh, there's nothing wrong with doing that. That's not railroading. No, it is absolutely Railroading not. is, okay, so you're going to the police station. Right. Right, but making a suggestion, especially if you if you've hit a, a, a lulled moment, the scene's played out. Now, it, it's a little harder when you have somebody who's still chasing the rabbit. You know, yes, and and really, there's nothing left there for them. That's when you. That's when you. That's one of the few times you say no. Yeah, you <laughs> just like um. 
There's nothing left to find. <coughs> yeah, you, have, like, you, have, you have looked at all the clues. The body is... If you start going anymore, you're going to start cutting into the body. Yeah. Or whatever it is. Um, I think it's important for everyone to remember that we're playing a game. Yeah. We're, we're not... We're, cra- we're creating a story in this thing, but the story is what grows out of gameplay. But we're playing a game. It's not wrong to say, and so we're going to move on. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, There's nothing wrong with move that. Move on to the next phase. The next phase of things. You don't find anything else. There's nothing else here. Yeah. yeah. You, you've stripped. I've heard the room. that a lot. <laughs> you've stripped the room clean. Right. You're down to the wall studs. And yeah, when I was a teenager, I was that jerk who would like rip the window out because I was convinced there was something hidden inside the, <laughs> the underneath the the windowsill. Or in something. the real world or in the game? In the game. In the game. In the game. I, I think that just telling them that they're that they have found everything they need to find is again not railroading. It, it's and it's not a no, and it and it certainly isn't. A, it maybe takes them out of the game just a little bit, but it will put a stop to it. Instead of saying, "No, you can't find anything more," you just say things like, "You're pretty sure there is absolutely nothing left to find." And, and having that thing that very that very clearly points towards the next stone is is really important. Yeah, it's like you know. Um, and you find, you know, you, you find the address, an address yeah. ahead of you. It's like, go up there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what, so, if, what if your players forget about some of the clues that you have given them? How do you remind them that they might want to go to that address I'm without so, railroad? Sometimes I've been known to just tell them. In, oh, okay. In session yeah. or between sessions? In no, session. in game. Like, yeah. Um, so you, that's... I haven't had people in, mid-game forget a clue is pretty rare. We've had people that have taken clues and hidden them, and then metagamingly, none of us have brought it up before. But we're sort of like, what happened to that sphere? That's, that you that's kind. That's kind of a different thing. Okay, that is. But I mean, if someone actually forgetting a clue in mid-game hasn't really happened very much. What may happen is someone will get something and not realize the significance of it. Right. That is when you need more. That's the, like the three clue mm-hmm. rules right. and the things like that rules. where you say, okay, we need, we need to have more stuff pointing in a direction than just the one thing. That's why I think it's a good idea. I, I've, I've started doing an inversion of the three clue thing, mm-hmm. but where the clue... Leads to three things? Leads to, leads to three characters. Oh, to, okay. It has direct relevance to three characters. That makes sense. I can see that. And then those three characters will give you... Three more clues. That the, will, yeah. yeah. All right. This keyboard is fucked. <laughs> Thanks, like Kimmy. All the letters, on, all the keys on this side of it stick. And so if I don't you, need to use I O P K J, you don't want to know how expensive that's going to be to fix on a Mac. I, I can't even begin to imagine. <laughs> the period. I mean, anyone who likes to use punctuation is screwed. <laughs> it's just going to be semicolons, colons. Um, and forget programming because the, the the keys that are the, the bracket keys brackets and semicolons totally shot. screwed. Is it, jam. is it E. E. Cummings that would just sort of write without punctuation or capital? Is I guess not. Hunter S. Thompson maybe? No, Hunter S. Thompson used. Oh, he was he was all about punctuation and pauses and stuff. Yeah, it, his phrasing. Yeah, the the more I, I delve into writing for different reasons, I, I find it very interesting the different ways that people approach writing. Oh yeah. It's, it's just interesting to me. Um, sorry. Uh, apropos of nothing. <laughs> All right. Next. So uh, thanks, Mike. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Uh, vampires? Vampires. You keeping, want it? Sure. Yeah. Go. 
Vampires, vampires, keeping mortal ties, post embrace, and questions about in-game romances from Mead. Hi, Stu and crew. Hope you all are doing well. This is Mead Bowen, which is a really cool name. Uh, I wrote you back in June about the Moat of Sin actual play, which I have been listening to avidly. Recent events on the Moat of Sin, e.g. the ghouling of local priest Father Patrick O'Malley, the potential need for a sacrificial vampire lamb, a vam, I like that, to appease the werewolves, have gotten me thinking about the issue of NPCs who started the game as mortals getting turned into vampires. Normally, after the embrace, vampires cut all ties with immortal lives to avoid arousing suspicions. But I could see Adrian at all keeping, say, Father Romali or the coroner around post-embrace for the usefulness of their mortal positions. And it would offer, or it could offer, some interesting plot developments. How would you balance these two competing interests? The need to preserve the masquerade and the utility of a new vampire's previous mortal connections. My second question is broader, and apologies if you already covered this. Romance plots offer some fabulous character development, interparty conflict, and narrative threads for the GM to tug at when appropriate. However, they come with some risks, especially of a, if an in-character relationship encourages out-of-character infatuations or advances that aren't welcome or cannot be reciprocated. Do you have any advice on how to construct these in-game relationships or on how to police out-of-character boundaries in order to curb potential inappropriate behavior while still allowing in-game romances to enrich the RPG experience? Thanks, Stu. Hope you see. Uh, hope to see you all at California Con one of these days. Best wishes, Mead. P.S. The Ghoulfin Sonar Net was a stroke of genius. Um, <clears throat> it would be hard for a priest who is a vampire to continue to be a priest. I would think there would be some issues with that. You know, early on I asked about that, and you said in the book there's actually some religious vampires. Just right. because they're a vampire doesn't mean they've stopped being right. religious. Sure, your entire—that's be, being religious and being a priest is a little bit of a different. Thing. You could be a vampire and be a vampire hunter too, right? Like Blade or something. Sure. So well, you could still be anathema to what it is you are. Sure. Um, and your entire mindset doesn't change when you're embraced. That's kind of the whole point of the game: is that right. you've got this conflict between this drug addiction that you now have and the person that you were before. I could certainly see, because it's about belief, a Catholic priest having a hard time stepping into his own church or even sprinkling holy water on people if he was a vampire. I, I think mo- most of those things in the game are, are like specific drawbacks that you can take. That's there, true. There are specific banes right. that, yeah. that can impact you as time goes on. Um, but I mean, the, prob- of course, the biggest problem, and I don't know if this really matters in most people's games... Is going to be the lifespan thing and the fact that you don't age anymore. Right. right. That's going to be the biggest problem, but that's more of a long term thing. And that's most games point. probably don't say, okay, we're going to skip 50 years. Right. That usually doesn't happen. So, I mean, the biggest problem is going to be all of the, to me, all of the little day to day things like having a body temperature. You can fake it. You, yeah, Come but you have to spend blood to fake it. You have to spend blood to do it. it. Um, your, you know, your power and things like that. Actually, being seen in the daytime because priests don't just come Sun- out at night. Then, yes, who's going to do Sunday morning mass? Right, <laughs> right. The, um, it, but the, but these are the kinds of conflicts that the game is really designed to yes. explore. Is exactly these kinds <clears throat> of things. It, you know what? It's kind of akin to 
um, being a super... I guess you can play vampire two different ways. You can play a vampire as a creature that has completely left his mortal, sloughed the mortal coil, and he's, just, he's a creature of the night, and that's all he does. But you can also play it as sort of a superhero that has a secret identity. That's the way Sam and Kimmy, and I used to, but I don't need to anymore, used to play it, which is you have your secret identity, which is, you know, I run this corporation right. while I'm a vampire at night. But you... You don't have to do that, but that's where the conflict comes from. I guess young vampires still cling to that, and as they get older, you know, because you've been around for 150 years. Yeah, and all the years, people you knew are and, dead. Right, and if you're the head of a corporation for 200 years, you I can't mean, be. Right. You can't be. Well, that, that's actually how Samantha's character started, is her sire was the head of her her fashion line, or her right. fashion company. Okay. And it got to the point where it's like, I've been doing this for 10 years, and people just just tell me how fabulously fabulous I look. This is going to start raising suspicion, so she steps on. to the side and and brings Riley you up. Could, I guess you could also do what they did in Highlander, which is he creates a new persona every, every 10, 15 years, right. and then does a new whole new business. And it's, good, you know, it's easy to fake Social Security stuff. But, but that's an interesting point, which I hadn't really delved into until now, which is you can, a young vampire is still stuck with his career... And then eventually they just go, F it. I don't need anything. I'm a right. creature that I don't need to eat. I don't need anybody, you know. But but there are two different ways to approach that, I guess. Does but that answer I, anything was you saying? Again, <laughs> going back going back to our tip of the day, this is the kind of thing you can weave back to the character. Um, in the vampire game that we played, um, my character had grown up in an orphanage before getting embraced. And one of my and my best friend in the orphanage was a person in the game. But she thought I was dead. Right up until the moment when we literally ran into each other in the middle of a crosswalk crossing the street. Nice. <laughs> nice. And it was like... Again, make it all about the play. Make it all right. about them. <laughs> and it was like... It was like oh. Because <laughs> we yeah, had to deal with that. a bit. We had to deal with... Because we had to deal with that. Yeah. And it, it led to some really horrific ramifications because I ended up having to kill her. Terrible. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's and so it's terrible. Awesome. Did you lose humanity? <laughs> Actually, the funny thing is, I didn't. <laughs> I, I couldn't lose humanity in that game. I tried. <laughs> I tried so hard, and I couldn't. I could. You know, it, it would make an interesting vampire game, which is you just you pick up like a week after you've been embraced, right? And you, so you still have all your social ties. You've still got a family. You've still got girlfriends. You've still got a job. Except that they think you're dead, uh, or, or not. Well, maybe they think you're dead. Well, if or you, not. If, if you unless don't. you have a night job, right. no one's seen you, right? <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, I mean, you could, that could be a whole game in and of itself. It's just divorcing yourself of all this human baggage, you know. And, and certainly, the vampire, if, if he was a good enough sire, would embrace you, saying, "I will give you a year to divorce yourself of these human trappings, because they will, you'll find that they will just, or whatever it is." Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. But, but again, you're creating that conflict for the character, and that's really what the game should be yeah. about. Um, vampire as a game should not be a a. a a D&D adventure game right. where you happen to be vampires. That's not what vampire is designed to be. Vampire is about the conflict in the character. See, and we're kind of playing a superhero vampire game. At least that's the way I feel like it yeah. is. Kind of. but, but that's okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I just That's not what I think the game is about. And, and that's my opinion. Listen, you can play Nosferatu or Dracula, or you can play uh, um, Underworld. They're both vampires. That's true. <laughs> that is very true. The I, I was thinking that you know you, you, what you guys need in your vampire game is Malkavian. Fuck those! No, <laughs> oh no, no, that, I, that shit drives me crazy. <laughs> I like that. That's one thing I like about because, New World is they made it a disease. 
Uh, Malkavian that. is a disease now. I'll buy that, but I just think that a well-played Malkavian could be fun. It the, could be. The, I, I, somebody I who's, thought about somebody it Somebody who's not being the over-the-top, you know, well, the thing loopy, really loopy that, but is just has that that really disturbing undercurrent of psychosis. That, that's the problem is that not everybody can play it well. I mean, when you go online and look at my, everybody says, don't play the Joker, don't play the Joker. Right. Everybody thinks they're going to be Mark Hamill, and you're it's not. It's not the Joker. But that's what everybody defaults right. to is the... <laughs> Guy, right, and that's that's not every milk. I mean, you could have a guy the, who's who's the obsessive think, compulsive, right. right? But think about the 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 psychosis. Think about the crazy that is the most disturbing. In the new one, they actually say they actually give you a list of things to choose from, or you can go on the internet and find an actual psychosis of which there are many to choose from. But some yes. aren't. Some some of you think to yourself, how how would would procrastination or or even uh, OCD? How would that Come into play. How can I play that and make it interesting? Oh, you know? I because you, you walk in a room and you start rearranging the furniture. I, I could play OCD um, <laughs> as a character just, and and make it make it really important for a character. But we digress. I'm yes, sorry. a bit. <laughs> See, opening and closing a door, door twelve times. Right? Exactly. Right. It's like whenever you, whenever you walk in a room, you have to arrange all the pencils in a line or whatever it is. Yeah, you know. You you, you do it subtle. You just play play the subtle game. The the subtle disturbing game. No, uh, romance. Romance. I, I find romance to be hard in game. Well, I, if you want to, if you want to make sure that the romance doesn't turn into sort of an uh, softcore player, porn. well, player to player infatuation or something like that, do it the way I do it with Dave. <laughs> <laughs> and and he's a fan. Fans. You've gotten much better at that, by the way. It was awkward before. I could tell you were having an awkward time. Now you have fun with it. Yeah, we haven't had any sort of. Well, there's a couple. There's a couple. I think in in the vampire game, there's the uh, um, coroner who was already infatuated with Who's with Samantha? Riley. With Riley, yes. And uh, and now he's Gould, and so that's worse. Uh, that's going to rear its ugly head. I think he's, but that's different, though. See, in, in, in that, that's that's more NPC. like a PC. That's more yeah. like a drug addiction than a. Yeah. But how do you deal with PC PC? I think PC PC is harder because you know when you're the GM, you can always you've, you've got control over right. that. But when it's two players, and that's when you run you run that risk more of there being that out of game. And th- there needs thing. to be there needs to be out of game buy in. About that, I think before. You right. I mean, ideally, you want it to be like Wash and Zoe from from Firefly, which is right. you know an you know an interesting relationship. They're obviously husband and wife, but it doesn't it doesn't get all weird and you know. Didn't you? It does get weird. It does get yeah, weird. There's a whole episode where it gets weird with what's his name. That's true. That's with, true. Uh, Niska. The whole episode where he starts where Wash starts getting jealous of the relationship right. between right. the captain and Zoe, and I mean that's kind of what that whole episode's about. I guess you're right. Uh, I was trying to remember. Didn't you have a player? Was, was a guy who was playing a woman for a long time and didn't. In, yeah, when in college, um, Fred was playing a uh, barbarian woman. And did, was it a romance involved with one of the other PCs? No. Or was it an NPC? Uh, it was with an NPC. Oh, okay. Yeah, it wasn't with a PC. I don't know if I've had in game any like in game romances between player characters before. I may not have standing to discuss this, but I don't think that's ever happened. Hmm. Um, Unless they've played, had an existing relationship, but I don't even know if I've had that. But I, I think I, I don't know. I, I think that to deal with the when you have two characters that are connected romantically in a game, you need to have there needs to be a grown up adult conversation with the players. Oh yeah, yeah. 
know. Well, I um, mean, if it happened now, if they if it's something that they decided on during character generation, right? That's its own now, thing. Now, but if it's something if, that builds during the course of now, the here's the other side of that coin, though. If two players decide they're going to become, you know, as pl- people, human beings in the real world, that's their business. No shit. N- not mine, <laughs> as long as they don't bring it to my table. Well, well, yeah. No, they're. Gonna, I mean, it depends. That's getting that's getting very far afield. Here's the other. Well, <laughs> but that's actually what he was kind, asking kind of about. Is it, is it really? It, here's the here's the creepy thing. Is like there's so the creepy part to this, which is how do you keep if somebody if somebody is really infatuated with another player at the table and you know starts an in game romance and then carries it to the outside world, which can happen in our dysfunctional world. <laughs> it sure. <laughs> how do you how do you like now all of a sudden you feel, oops, I facilitated all of that. Well, I mean, um, it well, depends. Is it a problem, or is it is this a mutual thing? If, or it's not, a, if it is, if it's, it's none of your fucking thing, business. That's right. very true. <laughs> but I, I think what he what he specifically asked about is when those infatuations or advances aren't welcome and cannot be or cannot be reciprocated. Well, even in that even in that but, sense, that's way beyond the GM's purview. That's, that's true. Way beyond. The, the, yeah, that is there's uh, your grown ups fucking figure, figure it out. That out. Don't what? bring it to my table. Right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. It, it, it's not. It's not relevant to me. In a way, it's it's kind of similar to you know workplace romances, and yes. this came up because we had we had training mm-hmm. <laughs> in how to deal with when you know things like this come up lately, and it's because you when you you're spending time together, sure, okay, and you're doing a fun thing together that kind of like pulls it, people, it, it, people it, together it, and it, it makes people bond, right? Absolutely, but when you're if you're the person on the receiving end of that, and for like for whatever reason you can't reciprocate or whatever, you know, or maybe you're just not interested, right? Grown up adult conversation sure. time, and that's I mean, people have those kinds of conversations every day. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I've had games where the girlfriend showed up and they were playing for a while, and then when they broke up, the girlfriend never would stop showing up to games. But you know, we've also had ones where the boyfriend and girlfriend show up, and the girlfriend keeps the game, and the boyfriend goes away. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've had cases where I would have where I wanted to keep the girl and not the right. Guy. Oh sure. <laughs> so, yeah, I think you're right though. That when if it gets creepy or whatever out of game, I mean, that's really not your no, it, it, fault it, it, or problem. Uh, when your GM hat is on, you don't have any authority whatsoever to deal with that kind of horseshit right. at all. Right. Well, think about that. But if you, I mean, if, if as a friend, one of the players comes up to you and says, "Hey, by the way, so and so has been." Kind of stalking me or whatever. Can you like, or, help me out? <laughs> that then that's that's an entirely right. different thing. And I don't know. They need to start asking questions about why someone needs help to tell someone they're not interested in them. Right. Right. And well, or why somebody <laughs> thinks that stalking someone is a sign of affection. Yeah. That too. I, I, I have couples who play in, in a couple of my di- of different games that I'm running, and what goes on between them? Not my pro- exactly. Not my concern. Above not, your pay grade. Above my pay grade. It's like, look, I just you know. <laughs> Not my my involvement. Yeah, a lot of there's some of the questions we get sometimes about interpersonal stuff. It really it starts to think like the GM is not like the leader of a cult. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like despite what my in laws thought, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. There tends to be this power madness. I guess <laughs> is that what it is? I don't know. I, I think they're, that they're. There's a perception of this huge divide, and maybe it's the GM screen. I don't know, or the laptop screen, or the laptops, or whatever. But there's this huge divide between the players and the GM. And as a GM, 
I'm a player in a game. Yes. You know, I'm just playing a, a slightly different role than, than the others are. Well, listen, you can, you can be in an army and you still have to salute the guy above you, the sergeants and all of that stuff that are above you. So maybe, that's kind of maybe how it is. It's a class distinction. It's a, it's a you know, listen, I, I'm running this game. You listen to me while we're here. There, there are things about which I'm like, <laughs> yes, I am running this game, so I decide. But afterwards... But by yeah. and large, it's like, no, it's like we're a group. We're, I, we're a group of friends getting together and doing a thing. I think maybe we have a, a little more level-headed than some people. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, Mr. GM, sir. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's the games we play, too. Maybe. That, you know, that might, might be involved, too. So, so I don't yeah, know if it's we... It's none of your business what, uh, what they do in their personal life. Leave it alone. There you go. Right. Like yep. that. <laughs> Problem solved. None of your beeswax. <laughs> All right. Not only is it none of my business, I don't even want to or, know. I don't even want to know, yeah. know about it. <laughs> uh, genre and GM experience from Gene in San Francisco. Alrighty. Oh, I just got the chat room finally working. I'm like, why isn't it? N- it says that there's people watching, but the chat room's not moving. And then I touched it, and all of a sudden, it came all of these things. Oh. Apparently, I'm in. Someone's in love with me. As they should in be. Love with you. <laughs> As they should be. Um, <laughs> I, I will. I'm. I'm watching it now. We're catching up. I was watching it the whole time, but there was nothing on it. But now, apparently, they've been chattering away for quite some time, it well, looks like. at least they can all chat to each other. That's the important thing. And I, I'm trying to f- figure out what to do. I want to have a Patreon chat. I was thinking about using Slack. have to ho- set up a new Slack but the, the site pro- for yes. it, not... And the problem with Slack is... <clears throat> Because there's a hundred, almost a hundred pa- Patreon subscribers. It's a big team for Slack. That's a and that and especially if you have notifications on. Yeah. If it starts getting, it could get <laughs> um, crazy for everyone. For everyone on it. One of the other gaming related Slacks that I belong to, I have routinely seen a couple of hundred messages in a day. Right. And I'm like, I can't, I can't keep up with that. No, <laughs> I have time for this. But what I'm thinking of Good doing is, is when I'm running a game. Have that open so that if there's any Patreon people who are watching the game, they say, you, you should do this. You should have this, this person show up. Or, and I, and that, I will watch that chat. For, That'd be cool. If people want to. That would be cool. I just some, something I thought of. I don't know if Slack would be the thing to use for it. I, I don't know if, I mean, Slack would be worth a try, but I don't know that it would work out. I haven't tried it with that many and people. And it's kind of a pain in the neck to, to invite people to. Yeah. Does AOL Messenger still work? <laughs> I, I'm sure it does. I don't know. No, that'd be fine. Hey, there was the oldest chat client I ever saw in my life. You know, there's nobody on it. You could just chat to each other. <laughs> oh, 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 we could use um, IRC. Set <laughs> up an IRC channel. <laughs> or a, a Usenet group. I could just set, set up a BBS for it. <laughs> or a tribe. You know, nobody's on it. The <laughs> oh, sad thing is, they still exist. Does tribe still exist? I'll check again. I check every couple weeks. Yeah. <laughs> While you check, I'll start this email. Does Burning Man still a thing? Then tribe is still yes, a thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it's, it's still there. Still it, was, there. it was down for a while, but it's back up. All right. I had to go get rid of all the middle-aged naked men on there. Is it still? Uh, is it getting worse? But some of them are starting to clear. She spilled wine on it. Um, what you could do is clean it with rubbing alcohol. Oh. Make sure it's on though. <laughs> Well, no, what that, could possibly go wrong? You, you want it to be off, but actually rubbing alcohol is part of the reason is 
because you won't damage the electronics. You could also right. use, you use it, also, maybe like a real high percentage too. Yeah, almost like one mineral those, spirits. One of those yeah. blowers of um, that'll like completely evaporate, won't leave any right. moisture behind. Yeah, exactly. Alrighty, greetings, Happy Jack's crew. Gene here, writing for the first time. I'm a San Francisco resident in the process of relocating to the Sacramento area. That's a long move. Are you sure? You better... Oh, 30 miles? About maybe? In fact, the border is like pretty much the five freeway, isn't it? Might, it? it might, that might be like 75. I know that when we did Northern Fair, if you missed the exit for like Vallejo, you were in Sacramento, and it was, it was, like, it was like two miles. Right. You had to go two miles, you were in Sacramento, turn around and come back to get into yeah, which is San there Francisco. Was, a, is it, was it Vallejo? Yeah. It was Vallejo, yeah. That's which is like in between San Francisco yeah. and yeah. Sacramento, top of the bay. Sorry, carry on. No, no, no. You're fine. <laughs> you're fine. I've literally I've been to that part of the state three times. <laughs> Sacramento or San Francisco? Frisco. Okay. Very different places, Sacramento and San Francisco. <laughs> oh yeah, yes. I, I, yeah. I, um. Uh, but I'm a Western Massachusetts transplant. So if you're still doing accents, feel free to attempt this as yeah. a generic rural New Englander like the Pepperidge Farms announcer or Fred Gwynn from Pet Cemetery. Pepperidge Farms. I never saw Pet Cemetery, so I don't... Oh, Pet Cemetery's fun. Uh, is it? Did yeah. you say Utes? That's, <laughs> that's my only When Fred I think Gwynn. of Fred Gwynn, that's yeah. all I think of. He had to laugh like that, too. (laughs) (laughs) It says to call back after three. (laughs) A little background. (laughs) I played casually in high school and college, but didn't inhale. Mostly riffs, (laughs) AD&D, and a bit of... Uh, but and a bit of old West End Star Wars. West End Star Wars. My last face-to-face West gaming. End Star Wars. <laughs> Jim can't even finish his email without him. No, 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 you're, you're good. I just, it's, it's. I know the, I know all these references because I, we're old, we're old, because we're all within like six months of each other. West age-wise. End games. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh, the, the, the chat room is saying something. I think I'm misunderstanding the context of the question earlier. This is from Russian Thunder. But whether I'm playing as a GM or a player, if something is, if someone is doing enough weird stuff at the table to make another player visibly uncomfortable, I do feel compelled to talk to the person who seems uncomfortable in private away from the table, of course, to make sure that there is anything uncool happening at the table. <clears throat> That's at the table. And I, and I agree with that. I would always... Defer to the person who is being accosted. Let them have the opportunity to take care of it themselves first. Yes. Would you maybe just call a break? A pre- like, if you've noticed it, would you say, um, I, need a, I need a quick break. How about a bathroom break? You guys need a bathroom break? And, then- and I almost think I would talk to the person who is being accosted first. Well, that's what he said. Am I... It, no. I thought that's oh, what okay. he said. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I, I, mis- I misread it. And, and see if it, it really is an issue. Like, hey, yeah, I can see. I that. see this going on. Is this a problem? Are you right. role playing, or is this a problem? Is this a problem? But, um, but yeah, if, if someone brings their out of game weirdness to the game, you might need to deal with that. Maybe. Um, so that's why I made the statement. You know, if you, if two people want to have an out of game romance, that's fine. Don't bring it to the table. Kind of like don't bring it to work. Right. 
sometimes you don't know these people either. I mean, I've, I've certainly had weirdness happen at a game. It kind of blindsides you. You're like, oh my god, these guys are creepy. Uh, now and now, all of a sudden, you're you know, yeah, an hour I was, into a game. Um, I was playing a game, a, a game that Dave Kizay ran um, a couple of cons ago, and there was a couple there. But the thing that struck me was that the girl was playing and she was fine. She's totally. But the guy kept kept giving her shit the whole time, and I was like, really, dude, shut up. <laughs> It's a it's a touchy situation if if it's a husband and wife you're dealing yeah, with. Yeah, exactly. They may bicker like that all the time. And you, I know people like that. Sure. And if and if it's a pickup group or if it's a one shot or whatever, you don't know these people. You don't have right. the, You don't want to sit around and have an adult conversation with the two strangers. Right. Well, it's kind of the kind of a similar. You might thing get in, shot. You could. <laughs> well, it, it in in that particular thing, it's kind of like, would you intrude yourself on? The, on a discussion that two people were having in the shopping mall. That you don't know. No. Right. No. I wouldn't even intrude myself N- with two unless, people I do Not know. unless I happen to see this and I see a crime being committed. Yeah. <laughs> totally different deal. But that's a different animal right. altogether. And, I, you know, and if, I'm at, if I'm at a game, especially at, if, like a con game, and someone st- suddenly starts laying down a whole bunch of racist shit or starts saying a bunch of rape jokes and stuff like that, that I would just shut down. Yeah. Whether I see anyone offended by it or not. I, I no, because I'm offended by it. Stop right. that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's, that's, I don't know. That, that, and I think when you're dealing with con games especially, we're getting back to the last email. When you're dealing with con games especially and you're dealing with people that, you, that are unknown, leaving out that romantic stuff is probably a safe thing to do. Oh, anyway. yeah. I wouldn't even. Yeah, I, I really just kind of try not to, to not even go there right. in, in con games. It's like, mm-hmm. well, for one thing, we don't have enough time for that to begin with. That's absolutely true. Um, I did play a con game where the relationship between myself and another character was husband and wife, but we kept it pretty clinical. We're like, oh dear, how are you? But, but I, it, we're, yeah. hopefully it wasn't creepy. I've run a couple <laughs> of games, one where there was a husband and wife in the game, and I've run one where there were interrelationships, there was a web, between all of the characters, and some of them were romantic or... Like, ex-romantic. Yeah. Or ex-romantic or things like that. But it's like... And but there was a note in the description of the character that said, "What you do with this is up to you." Right. Yeah, I, I've I've done that where there's been webs of things where there's like there is a some sort of relationship between these two characters, and these two people used to have a romantic relationship, and they don't anymore, and they don't like each other, or yeah. just stuff like that to, to help generate. Maybe in the future you should, but don't be, if you start getting creepy, I'm shutting it down. Right. Like, under- like there was one of them <laughs> where two characters had been lovers in the past, and the male character didn't know that there was a child. As a result, I think I remember that game. Um, that's 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 great drama, though. Yeah, it, it made for for very interesting things. Um, I did want to. You you raised a thought in my head mm-hmm. that I wanted to. Something we've talked about or in, in the show and and outside is having you know like placards and signs where we say this is a safe game mm-hmm. for people. Philosophically, I like the idea, except for for I think that all games should be safe. You know, you're absolutely right. And that yeah. if the we see a game that that's not, we should flag that game. Yeah. I find it it horrifies me that the idea that we even need to talk about having that placard right? is necessary. <laughs> that know. horrifies me. I, I think that I think we're all on that. It's like uh, the fact that that has to happen, that has to be a thing, is sad. And, and, yeah. and, and the fact is, those those like weird, gross, disturbing things that happen at games, they are very rare. In my experience, yes. I know that I know people who have experienced them. Sure. And but it's, it's horrible. It's, it's, and it is. And it, for them, it's a, it's a terrible thing. But it's always it's always like, oh, yeah, there was that one time that this happened. And it because of the stories are so 
impacted? Yes. I think they become more, our perception is that it's, it's more frequent than it is sometimes. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. That's I, I not what I'm saying at all. I can't say how pervasive it is. But I'm wondering, but I do understand, I, I lament the fact that we feel that it's necessary to have something like that, some sort of, this is the same, this is a place where I'm not going to allow that to happen. Right. Because you're right, it should be every freaking table unless someone's, some guy says, oh, I'm going to run a game, it's going to be really cutting it, or you know, a really edgy game, and and we're going to... But you know, no, no a really edgy mark. game doesn't have to be... be Safe and inclusive for players. Well, I can no, but when I'm talking about when you start talking about like triggering things, if you have trigger warnings, right, and you don't know what somebody's that's, triggering, that's kind of what, well, I, what the, I mean. And, and I'm 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 totally good with you know the the lines and veils lines and veils discussion is something that we have that you know we have right. at the beginning of every game. But if some if if people want to run a game where they don't want that stuff, right, that game should be marked. Yeah, that's to say, this 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 game is might go places where uh, if you are uncomfortable with. Topics you might not. This might not might right. be the game for you. I, I think that where where my my head was going with this thought though was that what I would like to see is that every game is inclusive. Every game is friendly and comfortable for for all players. Right. And that that should be the the baseline. And then if if a AGM runs games that are not inclusive and not that we should put signs on their table. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Jim, exactly. that's, so my Nazi Death Squad game is out. I can't do that anymore. Sure you can. You can do a Nazi Death Squad yeah. game. Well, it was great because they were going to go to a gypsy orphanage. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> is that all right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Look, if Anakin Skywalker can kill children, so can my Nazi Death Squad. He killed them. All, all of them. Of them. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> I digress. A little background. I played casually in high school and college, but didn't inhale. Mostly Rifts, AD&D, and a bit of Old West and Star Wars. My last face-to-face gaming happened about 12 years ago when I played with a group of other expats while teaching English in Japan. I've tried to scratch that itch ever since with play-by-post games, but those lose steam quickly and suffer terrible play- player attrition. Yep. After my girlfriend expressed an interest in learning D&D, it's reignited my interest in jumping back in once the move is completed. I found your podcast a couple of months ago. Yay! And I've been powering through all the past episodes non-sequentially, listening to the old episodes in order, new episodes in reverse order, and snapping up the most recent episodes as they come out. I feel like the Billy Pilgrim of RPG podcasting. (laughs) That's going to do some serious damage too. Like, I, you're yeah, not even listening like, chronologically. It's just it's just random. Wow. It's like, yeah, and and you, you can skip the, all of season three when that crazy jib guy was sending emails. Just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, after hearing you all talk so much about it, I picked up Savage Worlds. Yay! Reading through it, it seems like a good fit for me since I'm a fan of generic systems. But I'm too much of a lazy bastard for GURPS. Aww. I'll come back to that. Um, I know that. Eventually, I'll want to GM. I started out thinking of a sci-fi cosmic horror blend in the vein of Dead Space and Event Horizon. Excellent source material. And a bit of Lovecraftian twist. But after picking up the Superpowers Companion, I'm toying with the idea of a street-level... Okay. Superhero. Superhero game uh, set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe based in the Bay Area to avoid... Uh, scraping against canon too badly. Very That's good. always a fantastic thing to do. It totally um, is. Put it and in your own hometown. Oh yeah. yeah. And and if and based on what you just told me, there's a there's a, a Savage Worlds book you need. 
It's called necessary evil. Mm-hmm. You need mm-hmm. necessary evil. Um, it, it will will set your mind free for this game. Uh, this brings me to the crux of the message. Do you have any recommendations for which genres are better for a beginning, or in my case, very rusty GM, to cut his or her teeth on? Um, are there any genres which you'd warn beginners off of until they found their footing? I know I've heard Stork remark about how his Call of Cthulhu games would turn into Scooby-Doo. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on hierarchies of genres for GMs getting into or back into the hobby in terms of planning and setting the mood. Anyways, keep up the good work. You make many a work day a good deal less less maddeningly 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 dull. Maddening, maddeningly. Maddeningly <laughs> dull. That. All the best, Gene. Um, I actually think you should start with uh, a superhero genre because you could you can most of that work is done for you. You can set it in your hometown. If everybody who's living there knows where it is, you can say, oh, yeah, we're going to go down by the Park Street Bridge. Spam. Everybody's there. You have to spend less time on describing stuff. Everybody knows what a superhero is. Everybody gets to customize their own little superhero, create the ones that they want to play. It's almost a (laughs) no-brainer. Everybody's going to be in right there. It's like, I want to play Daredevil. I want to play Batman. I want to play... And then you can help them along, and and you're off and running. The second on the list would be science fiction, because it's Mm -hmm. also fairly easy to sort of... Mm -hmm. You just... You know, I'm a tech. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an engineer. I'm a, and you're on a starship and you find a thing, right? Or a derelict starship or whatever. That's fairly easy. You start getting more abstract when you start getting into western. I think uh, when you start getting into uh, fantasy. Well, see, I, 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 fantasy is what I would suggest because everyone knows fantasy. I mean, especially it, it is the ubiquitous yeah. role playing game genre. I mean, a superhero. Yes, you're right because it, it, you all, everyone already knows what the archetypes are. Exactly, and they can say, "I want to make this character. I want it to be like this guy." Okay, we can build someone that's like that guy, and they'll get that character and they'll understand that thing. Uh, fantasy archetypes, I think, for some people who've never played before, but I don't know if this is a people who've never played before or he's just starting GMing. Right. My, my worry about doing a superhero game <clears throat> is you're adding an extra element to the um, to the rules that you need to know to run the game. And that if you're running Savage Worlds, and that suddenly you have powers involved. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. As opposed to if you were running like a, a vanilla, uh, you know, 1930s gumshoe game. Right. Something like that. <clears throat> where, you, you know, the, the, um, what you need to know and the rules you need to be able to master as a GM are going to be more confined. It's almost like when, like, I've been reading through the Shadowrun book. I don't think I'm ever going to run it because I think it's kind of a mess. It is. Um, but there's so many the, things. The system or the, the fluff? Both. First off, there's like 18 stats. Now, I guess there's different ways of looking at at how you're going to design right. the game. But there's the, a the lot of The system doesn't blow my skirt up, as it were. But um, the ideas, the underlying fluff of the game, yeah, I could do that. I'd just do it in something else. And there's, there's <laughs> just so much. It's yeah. like... Okay, you've got the cyberpunk stuff. Right. With the, the with net running and all of that stuff. And then you've got the magic elves and dwarves and, and, and ogres and, and shit. Yeah. And then you have magic. And it's like all these desperate things coming together. How do you weave that? It's Especially if you're going to if you've never run it before and never played it and you're going to try to run it, I would say, "Okay, you know what? Everyone make a human." Yeah. There ain't no magic. Right. <laughs> well, Let's start there. Let's start with vanilla cyberpunk, yeah. and then we'll add in stuff as we go. Right. 
Um, here, here would be my, my recommendation to, to Gene. Um, go with the genre or genres that y- are easiest for you and your players to identify with. Sure. Whatever you can, you can identify with and internalize the most easily, mm-hmm. that's what you want to go with. Uh, to Stu's point, and a bit to this point, uh, if you're playing in Savage Worlds, we tried this. We tried a Savage Worlds fantasy game. It's, it's a different animal than D&D. Yeah. And you still have magic. Yes, that you have to pile on, which is basically which is the powers. powers. It's, it's powers. Same, it's the it's same, same power stuff. Yes, yeah. um, if um, you include it, there are. If you go to the is the Pinnacle website or whatever, there are these hacks that people have made for Savage Worlds that do a lot of the work for you. There's all manner of them. There are all manner of them, from from science fiction to to like a D and D reskin and all of that. And some of these, and then they've done some of the work for you, so you don't have to worry about what power is a magic missile. Oh, look, somebody's worked it out for me. Here's a right. here's kind of a, a complete stat crossover. Right. So. Jib's right. Go find something that blows your head. Talk to your people. Like, what is it you want to play? I'm thinking of science fiction, uh, fantasy, or superheroes. What do you guys want to play? Right? Once they agree with that, or you get the votes in, then you can go to the Pinnacle sites, find out if there's a little hack or a skin that really makes it work for you, and then go do your homework, and then you're off and running. Right. They do a great job. You'd be surprised. I'm not saying there's like six or seven. There's like a hundred. There's many, many of them. Uh, there's a whole list on and, their website. And not all of them are... are Pinnacle releases. Some of them are licensees. Some yeah. of them are, are unlicensed um, settings. Um, another thing I would recommend is if you're going to run Savage Worlds, which I highly recommend, yeah. highly applaud, yep. um, I'm going to plug another podcast. Oh, yeah? <laughs> For just a second. And that is the weekly Wednesday Savage Worlds GM's Hangout. Um, myself and a couple of other guys. You can uh, name them. Uh, Jared Gunning and um, David Scott. And, and Chris, uh, Chris Fuchs, who uh, is also on the Savage Cast, so you get your, your plethora of Savage Worlds podcasting. Um, we get together once a week and talk about Savage Worlds stuff. Specifically Savage Worlds. Specifically Savage Worlds stuff. Um, so, you know, th- you th- those, that's another resource for you. Um, I also think that Savage Worlds is a, is a good beginner's game. Because it, it has the flexibility, and you say you like generic games, it has the flexibility, there's not a lot of, yeah, it's very simple. It's very intuitive. Um, I, yeah, there's all sorts of resources out there for it. You really yeah. can't go wrong with it. And is it still 20 bucks to, for the buy-in? <laughs> 10 now? See, you can't oh, yeah. beat Explorers, that. Yeah, the, the, the Explorer's Edition's always you been You can't beat Explorer's that. Explorer's Edition is $10. See, you really can't. And even your players are going to thank you for that. They're like, "Oh, thank you for not giving me into Pathfinder, where it's a sixty dollars per book kind of buy-in." I'm like, oh, "It's only ten bucks." Yeah, all right, I can do that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. So, someone just mentioned in the chat room that there is a uh, on Drive Therapy. There is a Shadowrun in a more hippie game system. I think it was an Apocalypse World. Uh-huh. And I'm pretty sure I I got it. Well, there's a there. I know there's of. a cyberpunk. In, in Apocalypse World called the Sprawl, which that's is not the one I'm thinking of. Um, there's there's one that's more, like more of like an urban fantasy, not as cyberpunky. Oh uh, my brain! I'm pointing. I know I got it. I need I need Night, Dina. No, not Night Witches. No, Night Witches is World War II Russian. Shit. I can't remember the name. Of um, it. Female pilots. But I, I looked at it and I thought, oh, that because someone said this is what you need to run Dresden Files in. Uh, my brain. I am p- drawing a total blank. 
I will look this up and look on the forums. Well, I'm sure I got it. See, and we're all sober, too. We're just old now. We can't even remember anything. We're <laughs> just old. I can't even remember old shit. <laughs> Usually we just, ah, oh, man, I had too much beer. I can't remember. No, we just can't remember anything. No, we're just... All right. Doddering old men. Well, thank you, Gene. Anything thank you, else? Yeah. Gene? I hope that answers your questions. And, uh, yeah, I do Savage Worlds. You won't be disappointed. Rocket. I want to hear how your game goes. And that's yeah, a good, that's give a us good, updates. If you haven't GM'd in a long time or you're starting to GM, it's a, it's a good system to start with because... Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's that much. It, it, running the game is that much, right. but there are layers. And you can do so there much with There are layers that, under I mean, there. My <laughs> Freak Show game, which is all these circus freaks with basically superpowers, is, is in Savage Worlds, but you can also run a Western game with it. You, you can I ran a, Deadlands for... I'm running... Uh, at at the at Orcon, I'm running a Deadlands game and a Deadlands Noir game. And didn't you also run like the Norse gods in it as well? No, I did Norse gods and hero. Oh, wow! Well, and hero right. system. I could have done it in Savage Worlds. Yeah. But okay, the Norse gods thing came out. It was a challenge. Yes, I remember. <laughs> From day. Yes. <laughs> you got some mileage out of that though too. You got at least two games oh, out of it. A couple of games out of yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so, dude, it's back to you. I know. I'm trying to oh, find. I can, I can pick up. I, I'm looking. No, I got it. Right. And imagine, if you will, from Eugene in Boston, dear purveyors of floral scents. See, they're so creative. Is there a list or something you guys are picking from? That's funny. There should be. <laughs> You're always full of great ideas and unexpected tangents, which I steal from my own D and D fifth edition game as frequently as possible. More on D and D five e in the PS. So I thought I'd throw a seed of an idea out there in your general direction and see what brilliant insights might come to mind out the other end. He's throwing a seed at us. Ah! Yeah. (laughs) Imagine, if you will, a standard medieval fantasy world which evolves for three millennia. Magic tech is everywhere. Warring kingdoms, powerful guilds, world-scale conflicts, all that jazz, and then smelting and smithing stops working. Maybe the clockwork guild was getting too powerful, and maybe someone developed the nuclear option, maybe a magical experiment got out of hand, but as a result, all metals become brittle and crumble when heated. What does the world look like a couple of hundred years after such an event? Keep up the good work. Eugene in Boston, P.S. I lied, more in the D&D 5th edition in the PPS. Drink, motherfucker, drink. And I didn't have anything there. <clears throat> On the intersection of DM Feist Dudging and D&D 5th edition, I love how... I like Feist Dudging. Feist Dudging. I love dudging. that. It's now Feist Dudging. Feist Dudging. Uh, I love how uh, 5e empowers the DM. Specifically, monsters' hit points are given as a range with an average conveniently calculated for you. If a goblin has 7, 2d6, Hit points. I don't feel any guilty of adjusting the number between 2 and 12 hit point range, depending on what's more dramatically appropriate. Uh, I just have two, uh, one word for you. Plastics, Benjamin. Plastics. <laughs> well, first and off... And ceramics. There'd be lots of plastics and ceramics. If smithing, Obsidian. If, if smithing and, and, and smelting no longer work... Swords suddenly become incredibly valuable mm-hmm. because if the population continues to grow, which we assume it, it would, swords will become rarer and rarer because you can't make new ones. Or they'll make them out of something else. They might. They might make them out of something else. I mean, well, you could also take a step back to like the Flint Age, right? Where people are like t- taking rocks and shit. <laughs> That's where my brain. My brain went immediately to obsidian. Mine went to mm-hmm. ceramics or ceramics. 
Well, if smelting doesn't work, maybe that doesn't work either. I don't you know. You just said specifically metals, but... Right. Um, I know, like, in, in uh, Asia, they don't use metal scaffolding. They still make everything out of bamboo, which is a grass. That, and it's still used exclusively for, right. for stuff. Well, the bottom the line place. is you're going to use what you have. That's true. That works mm-hmm. for you. Um, you know, I, in, in ancient China, foot soldiers were armored in layers of paper glued together. Because right. that's what they had to work. That's what they had. Sure, it's not as that's not as good as as like a a steel corslet. No, it's not. But if everybody's it's lighter, using, it's lighter. But if everybody's using bamboo weaponry or well, my, or my point is plastic, the people who have it, yeah, the the guy who has the full plate of plate armor, and who has you know the great swords and the steel tipped arrows and stuff like that, he has a technological advantage over everyone else. Assuming yeah. that. This all metal becoming brittle thing is not retroactive. No, and it, that all of the existing but metal. I'm assuming but he does not. say when heated. When heated, so right. it's, yeah, everything that so. exists already exists now. But there would also be you'd be hoarding it as well. It'd be like the it'd be like the the guy from Mad Max with his gun and he has like four bullets left and he only uses them when he absolutely has to to shoot sure. out. Right? right. So it's like you'd only pull out your plate mail because once it gets banged up, you can't fix it. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. And if your sword gets chipped, you, well, no, you can. If your you sword can gets dull, you can still you right. can still sharpen it. But uh, you would be. But if it would, gets bent, you ain't gonna reheat I, it I'm to not, bring it back into shape. I'm not shooting my metal tipped arrow at you. That thing, that thing's worth more than most. What if you? What if it doesn't kill you and you run away with it? Right. <laughs> think people are like, you know, they're picking up metal arrows, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. I I, I, you would be hoarding it, so metal would be really, really. And yeah, I mean, bamboo and and fibers and uh, are just as you can make chains and clothing and armor out of all of that stuff. And if you got a magical world, can they? Can people just start summoning? Stuff you just start enchanting your clothing to be as strong as plate mail, maybe. Yeah. Therein lies a question. Well, that's what he said. This is this is he yeah. wants us to go off on tangents about it. Um, well, this, th- is a, this is a think tank. Which, by the way, that's that wants to be my job. I want to be. I want a job in a think tank where they just pay me to come up with shit. <laughs> that's isn't that not the best I love job ever? I love that idea. What do you do for a living? I'm. I think I'm a thinker. They pay. I drink and I know they, things. They, they they pay me to think stuff up. <laughs> So that line from Big, you know how much they pay me to think this way? <laughs> Paradox says it would be a very wooden world. Very wooden is how it would look. I would agree with that. <clears throat> it depends on where. I mean, it depends, mm-hmm. and, I mean if you... It, Wood, it, stone. Area, places that don't have old growth forests are probably going to use something else. Yeah. Uh, you could think about maybe Bronze Age or Stone Age. Um, People were using not bronze, metal. Not bronze. They were using metal, still but it really wasn't that great. They're you know? still smelting. They and are, that, but, but that's there's, not working anymore. But they're still building and doing most of the stuff out of wood and, and masonry. Yeah. Yeah. Stone weapons. I, I would see stone weapons. It'd be like early Minecraft. I, I think stone. I think stone is probably stone and wood yeah. and leather are your big are your big three things. I would start enchanting wooden arrows. I would start making like uh, bamboo swords. The unbreakable chance. Unbreakable yeah. chance. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, weapons that leap to mind. Take a. Wooden stick, take a strip of heavy leather, wrap it around it real tight. In um, thwack. In one of the Elder Scrolls games, in fact, maybe all of them, you can get glass armor and you can get glass swords. That that. Now one the of problem the, is they didn't last very long, so the other, right. them all the, the other thing is with less steel weapons, armor is going to become more effective. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Because you're not going to shoot. You're not going to shoot. Sharp sticks at people and think you're going to get through it. Right. Except portion. he said we have magic. We have magic and tech. What if we have magic that allows us to make wood as strong as steel? Maybe. 
Yeah. Well, and since everybody's tech well, has can, dropped down, and, and a also notch, if you can do that, the relevancy of of, of, of not having metal. smelted steel it just kind of goes, goes away. away. Goes it away. does because everything's dropped down yeah. a notch. Now, no, no, very few people are using steel weaponry, so your your paper laminated paper lacquered armor will be fine against the wooden arrows that are coming at you. Whereas before, the metal arrows would go right through your paper armor. Right. But right. that's not really an issue anymore. The, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the episode of Firefly with the brothel and the guy with the high-tech laser gun. You know what I'm talking uh-huh. yeah, about? Yeah. Where they go and, and, it, and it's one of What's-Her-Name's friends from the the um, Companion Academy. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's, she's running a brothel and there's a guy in town who's got a lot of money and he's kind of like the governor of the... Of the place, it, you're going to have a lot of situations like that because when you do have people who have all of that stuff, and they have their people equipped with it, they suddenly have they're going to be a lot more effective on the battlefield than people who don't have that stuff. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, I'm thinking way outside the box. I think uh, it'd be really cool if you uh, had um, specially bred dragons or worms that secreted uh, uh, tubes and stuff for you that you then create into housing in cities. So it'd be sort of like the alien sort of thing. You could you could just ride them, and you know they would be making like a long corridor, and then you could make a house out of it. Uh, bones from dragons, are from uh, armor oh. from boulettes and stuff. Oh yeah, bones. Also really bone work. would be a great source. So, for... so you're already you know you're utilizing a lot of this stuff. You could take a dragon horn and make it into a a, a weapon that's just as sharp as a steel, or maybe more so. Sure. Um, it, it, you're also thinking underground. You know the dwarves worked underground and yes they worked with metals but they also just worked with stone and what was there they dig into a hillside so people instead of maybe building castles up would build down or build build in Russian Thunder says armor and weapons could be made out of valuable magic uh, animal slash magical beast parts sure like armor made out of uh, pangolin what's a pangolin uh that's uh isn't that the the um a type of um Anteater or a spiny anteater with uh, oh, with okay. the the quills. That's where I was going to go next. Was it says they got scales and they yeah uh, that's it. They used in the 18th and 19th century in India. Oh, and uh, the American Indians would use uh, porcupine quills and um, urchin spines and stuff and shells and such as part of their Native Americans, part of their uh, right. their armor and stuff. Now, again, because you've got magic and magic creatures, there's anything's available. You can you can cause a tree to grow into a house for you if you wanted. You know, you put a seed down and you water it and you, a house would grow out of it in oh, a day. Sure. You know, kind of like Wiley Coyote's earthquake pills. I mean, there's all sorts of things that, <laughs> depending on how much magic and stuff is involved, because steel no longer works, everybody's going to start going in and creating spells and creating magic that, that works that way. The elves, I think, would become incredibly popular for, you know, well, we'll grow you a new house. Right. Yep. Right. I dig it. Funny Paper game. cut problem with a set in his ways GM from Nicholas. I think it's me. Hi, Jackermeisters. You know, like Jägermeister, the liqueur with the Oh Dear God logo. Oh <laughs> Dear God. Jägermeister's liquid quaalude. <laughs> <laughs> it tastes like cough syrup. It does. And it's in or, everybody's it, it does. Like Will? Yes. Maybe more it, like NyQuil? It, it does. Look, kind of like liquid, licorice NyQuil? Yes. Um, the thing is, it will screw up your universe without warning. Oh yes, oh, yeah. it will. <laughs> I remember when there used to be Jägermeister girls at the at the bars when I was in, uh, of young drinking age, 
and there'd be like, and of course they they pick the most beautiful woman they can find. Right. And there's two or three of them wearing lederhosen or something, and they come around with this thing. Would you like to marry something? <clears throat> Boy, like, yes. Well, I'll do it. You do it. Of course, there's so much sugar and stuff in yeah. that that it's it's just going to give you a sugar coma. It's anyway. terrible. Oh, yeah, your mom. Yeah. Stick with Drambuie. Uh, I was just beer or wine, right? I'm just a beer drinker. <laughs> Whiskey. I've recently yeah. pinpointed what's been bugging me about my gaming group's go-to GM, uh-huh. or, or more specifically, his style of GMing. He takes slight liberties when narrating, crossing the invisible but ever so holy line of player agency. No matter the system, setting, nor players, this never changes. It comes natural to him, and every situation is unique and in a sameish kind of way. This is evident in our long-running campaign of three and a half years, which is a home-brewed percentile roll under systems, which, uh, where double die is natural success slash fail, as in D&D 1 to 20, but with a skew against failure. I, I like this. A skew against failure on dice. Right? It's all, I'm all about that. About three successes to seven fails, or uh, said without math, we dirt more than we should. <laughs> <laughs> this creates the perfect. I don't storm. think it's against. I, I think, think that's supposed to be a different word. I think he. I think he. He did. I did. I read it wrong, or did no. he use the wrong I, word? No, I think because it says ageist, oh, but yeah. I don't think it's supposed to be against. Because maybe you're right. He says it's three successes to seven fails. Right. So we derp more than we should. So it's skewed toward Towards. failure. Yeah, skewed I don't like failure. the system. <clears throat> no, I'm not liking it at all. <laughs> This creates the you would per- feel perfectly comfortable. Yeah, well, feel, what? Look, everyone, everyone would be rolling like you. Everyone everyone roll would ones be, where everyone everyone else would be where you are. Yes, <laughs> you'd be very smug in that sort of a game. <laughs> see, uh, see uh, welcome actually, to my world. Uh, welcome actually. to my world. <laughs> this creates the perfect storm of PCs doing stupid stuff in and out of character. Every way. This is exactly like me, right? Out of out of character way. Uh, it's, it's the new sitcom coming out on Amazon, Storks World. We've had brutish fighters letting out girdish squeeze then. Uh, failing fear check, uh, the navigator claiming to know the way when he's obviously lost, the most level-headed PC shredding his big game trophy when skinning it using a sword with two hand swings. Now, the problem here is this prob- there's a problem of system. Mm. Yeah. W- this is the same problem D&D has, and the numbers are the same. Mm-hmm. They're, they're set differently, but 10% of the time something dramatically bad or dramatically good happens, mm-hmm. right? Because you, you get a 20, it's, it's a good thing. Right. You get a 1, it's a bad thing. Well, I mean, I'm usually I think in the newer versions of D&D, 1 is just an ordinary failure now. I don't think it's a... Right. But he's got basically the same thing, because every, every double digit of which, what, there are nine, nine of them? Nine. Well, you count zero, no, zero, ten. maybe. Count ten. zero, zero, ten. Yeah. So that's 10%, per, 10% right? Yeah. Math guy? Okay. So it's the same number, but it but it more failures than good. So it actually, so you can make up a number. It's like fifteen percent of the time they're failing now instead of just the ten percent. Well, it's seven okay. percent if, if if his thing is right, and that's too many. That's that's too many times to have something go cataclysmically wrong or cataclysmically well. And, and the next sentence kind of says that we mostly ignore these actions, but some can't be ignored, and it sucks when a party turns on you for doing something stupid that you didn't do. We're just something you rolled, yeah, right? Exactly. Right. Well, the fact that people are turning on someone who accidentally rolled eleven, right? What? What the fuck? Come on! It happens. Yeah. First off, uh, that's it, that's bad. That's bad. Yes. Don't do that, player. Um, I mean, if you want to like good-naturedly give someone crap because they roll like crap, yeah, that's we'll one do that. thing. We'll do that. But I if people are legitimately get, mad at me for for, for bad the way rolls, you roll, I know, and, it, and it's it's stupid. 
I, I, we did. I, I, can, I can name names. Uh, I am yet to make this a real talk, as it's hard to bring up when we meet... When we meet, eager to play. Yeah, he's. Oh, I have yet. To, I have yet to make this. A, uh, you know, okay. He hasn't actually discussed it with the. Guy. I see. Uh, <clears throat> when games are complete fail fests, some are bound to be bad. Some feelings are bound to be bad. I don't want uh, to be the guy saying, "Just be more creative." Should I go the the fan favorite of being passive aggressive, asking what my character does next uh, when he's done narrating, <laughs> or go as far as argue GM decision once it's made? Uh, and yes, this wouldn't be an issue if he was a listener, <laughs> right? Or, or not so set in his ways. The only change we're able to push was making enemies fail like PCs. His homebrew is his baby, and, and parents don't like uh, shit-talking their children. Yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's really that, attached. He, okay, first off, if he doesn't like criticism, and he, doesn't, and he thinks that the thing that he came up with is sacrosanct, he has no business designing a game. Right. You absolutely does not. <laughs> he also, first of all, I, g- I give you high marks for really being aware of this whole situation because there's a lot of people that really wouldn't be this aware. He's like, he just he just doesn't like to. Li-. You actually have a really good overview of what's of what's wrong here. Um, I, I'm I'm actually going to offer a a, dr- a draconic recommendation. Hmm. You run a game. You pick a system that you like that gives you the mathematical results that make more sense to you. And you run a game. Do you think this guy's a vindictive GM and, and he's sort of created a system now where he can sort of just subliminally be able to punish his players I don't and it know. makes him feel better? Well, see, like, if you look at GURPS and the, uh, your critical failure thing, um, and especially if, 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 you're, if you have a like, let's say you have a character with bad luck, right? <laughs> it actually says in the rules, the GM once per session should do something arbitrary and malicious to that character. I only mean, once, though. Right. And that's the only time that you're allowed to do that. He's giving himself a chance to do that. One time, one time in ten. Right. And that is ridiculous. It's, and, and he has way too much leeway in it. But they should, what, and if he's not taking criticism, this is a toxic situation. It Can is. Be? Because if he's not taking criticism about his game, he's certainly not going to take criticism about his GMing. No. No, you're absolutely right. And so, I mean, this is one of those things. I would have sit down and try to have a conversation with him. I don't know if I'd get my hopes very high yeah. and say, hey, you know what, I'm not having fun, and I'm not having fun because every time these weird roles come up, something arbitrary and malicious happens to us, and it's just not fun anymore. Right. And just say, I don't want to play this game the way it is. Maybe make it more about more about the system that he's developed rather than about his GMing. Depends which he's got more ego yeah, about. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? I, I, I would also slow. go... I, I agree with this. I agree with, the, with that as, as an answer. I would also go armed with um, cup, three or four things about his system that I like. Sure. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I'm going to backhand compliment you, Stu, mm-hmm. but, but it, 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 I'm going to couch it in a question. You're, you are very good at taking criticism. Uh, he's shown up at the Boggards with whole songs written, uh, ready to go, and we completely deconstruct it and come up with a different song. Mm-hmm. And he never once, only only occasionally says, no, don't change that word, I like that. Or, And he completely lets the band recreate the song, and I don't, he never says whether it's better or worse, but he just lets us do it. Right Now, 
you also take criticism in your games. You ask for it. Mm-hmm. You are you set yourself up to be criticized. So I ask you, how is it you like to take criticism? Because you're good at and and I should say Stu has a, a pretty good ego. He's a very proud man. Oh and fuck yet, yeah! And yet he's also very good at taking criticism. So how do you balance that? And how do you like criticism presented to you? Is this is this a valid question? It is a valid. question. It is a valid question that, because that's that would take that takes some soul searching. Yeah, I like. I think a lot of that has to do with sort of the the corporate culture I grew up with out of college, because we had this idea of continuous improvement. Because they had back right. in the in the late eighties, early nineties, all of the big mega corporations, and I worked for one of them, had these. Um, uh, managerial reorganizations where they would bring in outside consultants and they had, okay, this is the new way we're going to do things. Because all of these companies got very hidebound in how they how they do things and things they would start to build um, a lot of uh, inefficiencies into their institutions and what they were trying to do is break that up. And one of the things that they came up with was this idea of continuous improvement. Everyone is always looking at how to make doing this job better, more efficient, cheaper, more efficient, faster, easier, whatever it is. Just trying how can we constantly looking at all of your processes and seeing how you can improve them in some way, increase your quality, decrease your costs, whatever it is. And I was at, I think I was at an age where that sort of thing I would, it, it was very easy for me to embrace that sort of thing because I was right out of college. I mean, the only job I'd had before that was shelving books in the library. Impressionable young, young Stu Venable with his, right. all his hair and his journalism major. And, and, a, and a <laughs> fresh out of journalism school and, and I, walk, I, I walk into this place and like, we're going to basically question how we do everything. And I, I was like a loose cannon. I got yeah. threatened. I, I, had, I had vice presidents saying, asking me, why haven't they fired you yet? <laughs> Seriously. And I knew it was several of them because of the position I was in. Is someone hiding behind the curtain? Yeah. Well, we're, we're podcasting. You want to say something or can you wait? You have a few seconds. We're, you, yeah, You're the camera's on. Camera. on. So you, you want to walk in on camera? Mm-hmm. Okay. What? You've got to hurry up. <laughs> so. So. Um, it, he won't? Taking criticism wrong. requires a bit of soul searching. Um, and anytime you put something out in the world in any way, you're going to put it on a table in front of your players, you're going to put it in front of, of people, you are inviting criticism. And if you are not prepared to accept that criticism... I... I think it's almost a skill that people need to develop. Nobody, oh, it is. Nobody likes criticism. Nobody, nobody, like, nobody likes to be critiqued. But... but there's an intellectual process that you that you then talk down. It's like, okay, they're not. They don't hate me. There's, yeah, you there's can't, something's broken. There are people who do take it personally. They, and it's a human nature, I think. See, I, maybe it is, but see, the, the fact that I got my degree in journalism, I always had editors. You, you always develop had a editors. thick skin about. It's that. not even developing a thick skin. It is looking at your work dispassionately and looking at it objectively, and and having. An, a checked ego enough to say, I don't shit perfection. Right. Just start there. And right. Start with the fact that I'm I'm not Jesus. <laughs> I'm not perfect. I've got to, I, I have to, and, and when I take a crap, it's not the perfect crap. Right. It stinks. Yeah. Right. I, and it's I, exactly the same thing. Everything I create, I know has room for improvement. Right. Everything. I, 
in, in in working on on bad streets over the last year, I've gotten a lot of that's not that doesn't work. Right. That's that's not a good idea, and here's why. Right. And um, and you get have, that you get that it, while play testing. Right. In the heat of a game, you re, and and very often, at least for me, when the time that the players are starting to realize it, right in the back of my head, I'm going. Ooh, that's gonna need to change. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that that's not working. That, right. That's yeah. Um, but and and there are, and I'll be I will be I will be candid and I will reveal myself here. There are days when I've gotten that feedback from people and I've just gone, okay, this is all crap and I'm throwing it all away. I'm done. And and, and I think especially that's, if it's something either big or fundamental in or, the or guts something that of I liked. The, right. Um, but. That it's kind of a rapid fire thing of I'll have that reaction, reaction, and I'll then I'll take a step back from it and go, wait, what if? And then I'll think it through a little more, mm-hmm. and realize that. And, and there are cases where I will where I I will take the feedback and I'll change something about what I'm doing. And there are cases where I've looked at it and gone, I hear what you're saying, but no, I, I right I want this right in the game. And, um, yeah, it's like. Why don't you make the game a little bit less like Apocalypse World? <laughs> it's like some fundamental thing in it that you, it's like, no, that's what well, this is. Um, Why don't you make it not about a police procedural? Right. One of the key things about the game is, is reputation, mm-hmm. is, is the character's reputation. Right. And I actually had, once I got some feedback that said, you know, reputation doesn't work. You really need to take that out. And I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> no. Well, it doesn't make service for one shots, but I could see over a campaign your reputation gets a hit and a hit and a hit. It's kind of like you know your yeah. humanity and vampire. In a way, yes. Um, but I, it can also be very very hard to give someone feedback. Well, that's where I was going next, which is well. Does anyone? Did, I think that depends entirely on how the person reacts to the feedback. Well, whether you're reluctant or I, not. I don't. I don't like criticism. If it's just delivered bluntly, like this sucks. What I the way I like to take okay. criticism is everyone hates that. Yes, right. The way I like to take criticism is if it's presented with this. This is this doesn't seem to work, and this is why, and maybe a possible solution with it. Because now all of a sudden, instead of just being deconstructive or, or what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, yeah, it's an actual. Here's a, here's a here's a thing that might be broken, and here's a, maybe a possible. What if you fix. did this this instead? Right, and then you go about it. Huh? Okay. He's right. not. He's not bagging on me. He's bagging on this moment, and maybe he's and, right. and he's not even bagging on it. He's just saying, "Hey, what about here?" You know. But so, but I, I think that in the case of of our, our female author, um, Nicholas, I, Nicholas, I, I don't know the GM that you're going to be talking to. So, um, but I think that step one is to have a grown up conversation with them away from the game and say, hey, you know, I'm struggling a bit with these things, with this thing in the game. And it seems to be, it's a combination of his GMing plus this mechanic giving him so much leeway. It seems like that's the Yeah, he did, he did say something about his style. It's like all of them, there's kind of the sameness. It's his GMing, quote, style. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, though, you're probably not going to really be able to change it. His style is something that can be changed on his own if he plays in other people's games. He has then to, he gets to see because he's maybe he's, he's, yeah. he's operating it, in a vacuum. He's never really seen any other ways to do anything. Maybe it, it's 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 like a psychologist changing a light bulb. It uh, only takes one, but the light bulb really has to change. Really wants to change. Uh, I, I, that's one of the reasons I recommend everybody go out and play games at cons because you you will see how other people solve problems that you 
like yeah. run into all the time. And you're like, oh, I never thought about that. What I, I, I think you're very much onto something there. I think that this kind of behavior on a GM's part cannot survive prolonged contact with other <laughs> players and other GMs. It's, that's a great way to put couch it. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Because um, I think that it is very true for all of us that we all learn things and take things from our association with this huge you know, pool of GMs that we associate with on a regular basis at cons, at all the games that we play and whatnot. And I think that that grows and influences how we play, how we run games. And also, I think it kind of keeps us honest. I think it does, too. I just steal from all of them. Whenever somebody has a really cool uh, situation or a way to resolve a conflict, I'm like, ah, it's going in the book. Right. Um, right. I think you... So, so what you said earlier, which is don't play with him, maybe you run a game, might be a good way to do it because then he can lead by example. You can actually show him well, how to... It, it's going to be hard for him. Yeah. I mean, it, it's going to be hard for that GM. It's going to be painful. It will. I'm, I'm, but if you say, hey, you know what? I got this idea for a game I want to run. Don't even, don't even necessarily frame it with you know, anything to do with his game or not. But say, I have this idea for a game I want to run. Would you guys be down? You know? And then... If this GM sits down at that table to play and sees all of the other players having an awesome time playing this game, it's going to be hard for him to hang on to the, into, onto the preconceptions. Maybe. It's not going to so happen once. Thinking that, that it's not going to happen once. Like I said, yeah. prolonged contact. Yeah. And, the, and if he's the kind of guy where it doesn't, then that kind of gives you a clue on, on where this situation is going. On his personality. Yeah. And... The other question, but it's not in the email, is whether his game system is f- completed. I mean, is this is it? It's no, it's completely finished now. There's no room for improvement because then he's not going to be soliciting or even looking for advice. There's no, it's not broken. Why would well, I? Well, he's, it? in my opinion, as a game, then as why a, are you still play as a game designer? It? Is well, you're wrong from from the get go because even if even once you've published it, you're still. There's still places to go with yeah, it. Savage Worlds Deluxe came out with uh, some new rules and stuff. And yeah. everything. How many yeah, versions, yeah. How many versions of D&D yeah. have there been? How many versions of GURPS have there been? How many versions of Hero System have there been? I don't think been? they're ever completely done. There's always yeah. errata and stuff There's that has to always come evolution yeah. of things. There you go. Yeah. All right, Nicholas. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. I'm glad I'm not you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm not in that situation. I don't take offense at that. I mean, I'm not saying... I'd rather be right. I probably would not be anywhere years. near as nice as he's being <laughs> yeah. in this email. Because, you know... But but part of that comes from having options. Right. Oh, yes. Yeah, I we have are options spoiled. of people I can play with. If I sit down at a table, I'm like, yeah, no, this guy is... And, is, and it is a campaign that's been going for three and a half years, right. too. So, you know... I have walked away from to... tables at cons because I'm like, just like, no. Just no. Really? Mid-game? Mid-game. Yeah. I have to go to the bathroom. Really? Um, <laughs> uh, I, I had, really? I had one game. It, it was a it was a, a Dungeon Crawl Classics game, and Dungeon Crawl Classics has this funnel thing yeah. where you create these four zero level characters, right? And they're gonna they're gonna die. It's just but if one of the, the one that survives is the one that you actually enter the game with. Um, I kind of made it my mission to see how fast I could kill four characters. In. <laughs> see, and I had a terrible Shadowrun experience, at, like not the size of one of them. It was awful, but just 
It's like it's like if I go see a movie, if it's an awful, I've never left a movie. I'm just, I have. I've paid the money. I'm going to sit here and watch. The I whole left thing. one. Uh, it's rare. Ford Fairlane with Andrew Dice Clay. Okay, well, it's, that... it's rare, but I have left a couple of movies in the middle. Where I was just I'm like, like yeah, just, I'm like, no. I'm already here. It's too late to get another game. I might as well just ride this out and we'll learn. From... At least it's a bad a story for the podcast, right? It, it is. Or it's just yeah, you're not allowed to walk away from bad games you can, anymore. You can, okay, no, no, yes, no, no. You can also <laughs> learn a lot from bad games too. <laughs> what, what I'll do is I'll just see, start secretly recording them. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> can learn a lot from a broken game. Oh. Or broken I guarantee GM. you, I've probably learned more about GMing from watching somebody and going, "Yeah, no, no, just <laughs> right. no." <laughs> All the nope. Um. Oh well, LJS Larson just joined, and we ju- we're we're done. We're done. We're <laughs> it's it's over. It's probably well. It's probably I don't know. Is it what time would it be in the in the Scandinavian world right now? Uh, oh, dark thirty. Yeah, it's it's like a twelve hour difference. Um, oh, so it's like midnight? Yeah. Um, no, it's... No, nine, ten hours plus from where we are? It really depends on what part of Scandinavia, but yes. Yeah. I think I think I, I seem to remember Denmark I, it being 11 hours. I think they're like GMT plus one or two, I think. And we're entering and daylight we're GMT minus eight. soon, so... So, so All right. yeah, something like that. So well, anyway, we're, we're actually ending. It's done. I'm sorry. 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 Game over, man. Sorry, game over. LJS Larson. Next next week, though, same time. We'll be back. No, next week will be on Friday night. Oh, well, there we go. Next I week will be on Friday night. So be prepared. Be prepared. That's and probably really bad for the European people, because it's probably like in the middle 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. I think, that, and I think that's like wee, wee early hours of the morning. Okay. I'd, I'd, I'd have to look. I'm sorry. Oh, he I wants guess. us to d- just do the show again real fast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Season 18, episode 3. Gonna, 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 in this episode, we're going <laughs> to... So how, do how do you deal with criticism? And uh, there we go. All right. There you go. I'm going to call it. Thank you for joining us for Season 18, Episode 3 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. Uh, this podcaster holds the door. <laughs> this is Stork. <laughs> and we'll see you next Friday at 10, uh, 8.30, 8.30 p.m. Pacific time. And I also, I don't know if Kimmy's doing a thing on Thursday. I don't know if she's or not. I and, uh, I'm she's not, off. She's it, off. It's her it's every off other, week. She right. does like a cosplay costume. And then uh, I don't know if we're going to have a game this Next week, I'm not sure. If we do, it might be on Wednesday. I'm not I sure. I want to talk with you about some, something off air. Okay, all right. That. There is something happening that's going to get recorded, though. Thank you for joining us tomorrow. Oh, that's right, Magnificent Bastards tomorrow. Uh, what time is that? Do you remember? Uh, it's late-ish, like five. Five. We'll, I'll put the time up. You can go to Happy Jacks in order to find out. But we will be playing Dave Kazay's game. You want to watch that shit? He's a great GM. Yep. That's it. We have a song. was learning on the spin to play her tutor stood by her to show her to show her to show her to show her the way she shook not the note which angered him much and made him and made him cry zoons tis a long prick a long prick, a long prick note you touch. Surprised was the lady to hear him complain, and sad, and sad, and sad.
I will shake it. I will shake it when I come to it again. When she loves the lady twins, the yeah, let him play. Her smooth is done by her to show her a long prick. To show her a long prick. To show her, to show her the way. When she loves the lady twins, yeah, let him play. Her smooth is done by her to show her to show her a long prick. To show her, to show her the way When Celia was learning from the Spanish to play Her sweetest of play had to show her the lamprey To show her, to show her, to show her the whole The preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.